You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to Tech Fan number 82. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. And uh, David, oh no, wait a minute, this is not 82, this is 83. See, this is what happens when I open up last week's show on GarageBand and just delete all the old crap. <laughs> yeah, emphasis on the crap. On the crap. <laughs> Actually, we got some uh, we got some good feedback on the last show. What are you doing with your mic? Stop that! It's really loud. Sorry, I'm just adjusting. Um, I mean, it wasn't my microphone. I was adjusting. It appears people like us arguing. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I think that's funny. Um, let's start off with that. Mark Greentree from um, Australia. And he does Geekiest Show Ever. Um, wow, I just completely drew a blank on uh, not, a, not, not another, another Mac. Yeah, another yeah, I know. Podcast, yeah. I, I know it. I just I kept thinking Geekiest Show. I don't know. Yeah, why. well, you got um, you got the uh, you got the brain farts there. Well, I in my defense i've got a lot of things going on today i had to take our female dog to get fixed at 7:30 a.m. and my daughter's 18th birthday slash graduation party is at 1 p.m. today so oh, this no is excuse. yeah this is kind of falling between the two no excuse though <laughs> um so so mark wrote uh, ju- uh talking about the episode 82 which this is not uh, uh hi guys just listen to this episode and i have to say the disagreement between you two is priceless it was the best argument I have heard in a podcast on in years. Um, it wasn't really an argument. David's wrong. I'm right. I don't see this. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. <laughs> I do agree with both of you to an extent, although my personal opinion is closer aligned with David's. Ha! Well, that's because you're 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 Australian. That's closer to being English than we are here in America. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even going there. Uh, so throw me in for fifty to back David in the bet. There so so is he is he covering your fifty or that's another fifty? I think it's another fifty. So I'll get a, uh, I'll get a hundred bucks in ten years. Well, or you'll lose a hundred bucks in ten years. No, 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 not gonna happen. The question is: Is that Australian dollars or is it U.S. dollars? Well, that's true. So, it'll, for in American dollars in ten years, that'll be about three hundred eighty-five American dollars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, "Thanks for the constantly entertaining shows." Tech Fan is the only podcast that I drop everything to listen to as soon as it hits my feeds. Thanks. That's the yes. complimentary. It um, is for some from some guy whose show I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Mark's a good guy. He's Mark's actually doing the blog posts at Mac Specialist now. Did you know that, David? I did not know that. He is. If you go to MacSpecialist.com, there's a tab at the top that says Blogs, and that is Mark Greentree. And, Very uh, cool. Is he, he going to move to Chicago soon? Oh, next week, I think. <laughs> yeah. We're paying him so much money to do that. that That's right. How, how could he not? <laughs> um, he actually is paid to do that, by the way. But I wanted to get some uh, some blogging action going on the site uh, at Mac Specialist, and there was this big conference I talked about before on the show, the Apple Specialist Conference. Yeah. And one of the sessions was how to get your employees to write blog posts for your site, and it was just sad. 
It just was sad. And so towards the end of this, I kind of said, you guys know there's like a thousand million, billion, gazillion independently owned blogs out there that's written every day about Apple products that they don't get paid anything if you offer them a little bit of scratch on the side to write exclusive posts for your site, they'd probably jump at the chance. And everybody was like, oh, that's a great idea. And, of course, none of them did it. (laughs) So I came back and immediately uh, put out the word to a couple people, and Mark Greentree was the first. And we're going to add some more writers over time as well. No, I think it makes sense because, obviously, if you get your employees to do that, that's something they have to do in addition to their day job. Well, but you also don't get unless someone wants to do it. It's not there. It's it becomes a job, and yeah. they're not passionate about it. It's boring no. to them. I would rather have someone who a first and foremost is a good writer, and there's no question that Mark's a very good writer. B um, is very passionate about the content, i.e., whatever the subject is. In this case, Mark obviously is very passionate about the Macintosh and Apple, um, and C is going to be dependable. And yeah. C is actually very, very difficult to find. You think it'd be well, easy, but it's not. Even in even in my business, um, you know, we have to generate all sorts of marketing related stuff as well as kind of our day job of the actual consulting. And the problem is when you get busy, that marketing stuff falls to the bottom. It's mm-hmm. like you know, it's it's the stuff you do if you have time, not if you uh, not if you have paid work to do. That's right. And so if you're a busy company, then it can be really difficult to prioritize. That. And the last thing you want is somebody dashing it off in their lunch hour or doing something, you know, just on the fly because as you say, it won't have it won't have the right focus, it won't have the right passion in it. And I told Mark, I said, you know, what we're not looking for is an advertising blog. That's who cares about an advert. No one's going to read an advertising blog. Well, if they read it on your site, they're already there anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of advertising when they've already come there is. Oh, we're getting GSM buzz. I don't know if it's my phone or yours. I'm moving my phone away. Let's move mine as well. Um, yeah, they're already on your site, but what they're looking for is a bit of value, value content. Yep. something to keep them on your site. Yep, and that's exactly what Mark is providing to Mac Specialist. That's why we pay him, and it's really good content. I don't tell, I never tell him what to write. He just sends an email uh, three or four times a week saying, such and such post is ready, so I'll go in there and edit it, which, honestly, with Mark, there's not much editing. Uh, set the featured picture and publish it. Good to go. He sends us an invoice every two weeks when we pay him via PayPal. Works great. Cool. So yeah. if there's anybody out there who's a writer uh, and you have um, kind of a track record that you can send me and you'd be interested in doing something like this, let me know, because Mac Specialist can, uh, uh, we'd be more than happy to expand our blog section, because that helps get the name out there. Definitely. And of course, eventually, you know, when there's bazillion followers on there, I'll throw an ad in there, you know, once every couple weeks. But it'll be stuff that people would want to read, because if they're in the area, they're going to want to know that, oh, crap, I can get a brand new this for this price, and that's awesome, so I'm going to go. Um, let's jump back into two... Uh, and thank you very much, by the way, Mark. Anybody out there listening wants to send us feedback, simply go to techfanpodcast.com, uh, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, and uh, fill out the little formy thing, hit Send, and we will get it. It's really, really simple. Um, by the way, we don't post anything but this show at Tech Fan Podcast, so don't worry about going there and just getting a whole bunch of flash crap jumping out at you or 
you know those I, don't you hate those ads that take a whole page up and you have to search yeah. around for the small little X button. <laughs> yeah, it. that's just a, they kind of take over your page. And for some reason, even though um, most of us have pop-up stoppers on our uh, on our browsers nowadays, they don't stop those. No, it doesn't, and it's really annoying. It's really, really annoying. I got one for Spider-Man on the CNN page today, or was it? Yeah, that was this morning. Took over the whole freaking page. And a lot of them have uh, audio in as well. So yep. if you have the speakers turned up on your computer, you blast out your office with, uh, you know, some music and, yeah, not good. No. Makes you jump out of your seat like, ah! <laughs> you're, you're searching for the mute button on your keyboard first and then figuring out and where And your the... boss is looking over going, you're not working! That's right. That's right. So, kind uh, of a big week in tech. Um first thing that i'd like to talk about david i don't know if you've tried this or not but apple a lot of people are saying that apple is dropping i uh podcasts from the the music app and that they're going to go with their a dedicated app for podcasts and they did at least the second part of that they released an app called podcast and or was it podcasts i think it's podcasts and uh i downloaded it it's free and i tried it and it's okay, but I, it's a little buggy. It is a first version. Um, it remembers where I left on a podcast, but if I go back into the music app, it doesn't know. So it's kind of a one-way street. It knows where you left off on podcasts that you already listened to in music on your iPhone. Yeah. But music doesn't know where you left off if you were listening to a podcast in that app. So. Yeah, I, yeah I've, I was a little disappointed with this, to be honest. Um, I, I saw the light about podcast management on my um, iPhone. Uh, probably, around, well, it would have been around the time that um, iTunes Match became available in the UK. Uh-huh. Because I turned that on, and the, one of the problems is when you turn that on, basically iTunes becomes music only at that point. You can download podcasts into iTunes and sync them to your phone, but uh, all the playlist ability has disappears um, and podcast becomes pretty much non-functional at that point because it's very difficult to get podcasts on and off. So um, I started looking for something that could do podcasts on the device and I settled on uh, Downcast. Which, a lot of people do that. A lot of people are yeah. using Downcast. Uh, and it was a revelation to me because before I was carrying copies of my iTunes library around so that if I was traveling, I could update my podcasts and then, you know, listen to my latest shows. And I didn't need to do that anymore. And it's, it uses iCloud to sync between different devices. So if I have my iPad or I have uh, a, an iPod Touch at home, I can come in from the car and it will sync where I'm up to and sync all my subscriptions and everything, even my settings between the different devices. So I can just pick up the next device and it will pick up exactly what the point I'm up to and allow me to continue to listen. So it's been really, really good. Um, uh, and it's been pretty well developed fairly quickly by the developers. Um, the podcast app that Apple did really is very, very basic. It has no playlist support at all. Nope. So if you want to listen to a mix of podcasts, you can't. Um, the user interface is kind of clunky, I find. It, there's I an agree. awful lot of not really being sure... Um, Kind of what, what you know, what you're doing, and and how to how to get for, out from a ticket screen to to you know show a list of podcasts or show show notes. It also it, it does um, a mix between downloading and streaming, 
So uh, you can go to a show and start listening to it, and it will effectively stream it over the internet. Um, and it's not really very clear whether you know whether you've actually downloaded it for offline listening or whether you're streaming it. And of course, if you go out of coverage and you're streaming it, then that's the end of the show. Yep. Uh, now, Downcast does exactly the same thing, but it always makes it very clear using icons uh, on every screen whether you're listening to the show streamed or whether you've downloaded it. So, it, you know, to me, it does need an awful lot of work before um, it's ready for prime time. And, you know, I kind of loaded it up, had a very quick look at it, realised it had shortcomings that meant it didn't work for me, and I, I kind of deleted it again, and I'll wait for version 2. I just hope that Apple have got a decent team on this, and it's not just one guy. You know, kind of like the remote app was, where we found out it was just one guy who did it in his spare time. Yep. Um, I hope that they have a team of people doing it. And it, it did slightly surprise me that, bearing in mind, there's, there's, there's at least three or four different podcatchers on the iPhone, on the App Store. Uh, there's Instacast as well. There's a couple of others too. It kind of surprised me they didn't try and hit at least the same functionality as those ones on the first pass. But there you go. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not real happy with it. I do like the animation of the old time tape deck, reel to reel, that plays if you uh, uh, go into that screen. But yeah, I, I do like the skip ahead thirty second feature. I listened to our last episode in about four minutes. That was kind of neat. Um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah. It, to me, it doesn't feel like it's ready for prime time. It's not quite there yet. But no, I, I've I've been disappointed for a long, long time with Apple and how they uh, handle podcasts, especially their directory. They are very selective on what they show. And it's totally obvious that the people that are picking it are the same people that's been picking it since the beginning. Because there are certain creators that they really like, and they push that right up to the top, ahead of everybody else, to make sure everyone knows it's there. And then when there's a new show, like, and and it's a different take, like, say, Three Geeky Ladies, you would never know it was in there if you went just to the podcast page in iTunes. You'd never know it was there. Because Apple doesn't push it. And also, you know, um, just the same as with the rest of the iTunes store, um, the searching and the browsing experience is not great. No, it's atrocious. It's just atrocious. Look, if you go up to, to iTunes and type in Tech Fan, you'll find our show. But if you just go to the technology section, good luck. You'll never find it. It'll never show up in a list because Apple is terrible about it. And it's it's somewhat frustrating as a creator myself, but as a podcast listener, they make it so damn difficult to find really cool new podcasts. And I was hoping that this podcast app was going to do that. But no, it's the same old crap that they try to push onto everybody. It's, yeah. it's it's the whole twit crap. Which, look, don't get me wrong, they have some good shows on there. But I want something different. And they've been pushing twit since that show launched. Yeah, and, and the other thing as well is that I'm slightly frustrated by the fact that um, many of the initial comments on the app, um, even reviews of the app that appeared online after it launched were you know, so overwhelmingly positive and it was obvious that people had played with it for two minutes and written a review. Yeah. Because they you know, they they kinda missed all these gaps and it was only like a couple of days later that people start saying, Oh, maybe it's not as good as as we kinda claimed it was at the beginning and you just wish, you know, guys, just give it if you're gonna critique something, you've got to 
give it some time, you know. Uh, that's always going to be the, the case. Of it. I, don't e- I don't even look at iTunes reviews. They tell me I'm not, No, I'm not talking about the iTunes reviews. I'm talking about the stuff that was on... Oh, on the, the web? hour and, and all the other, you know, people who, who cover this. Most of them kind of really gave it a pass. Uh, and it was obvious they hadn't really used it. Well, and that's... that's there's a perfectly fine ex- uh, reason why that that happens, and that's because they're just going for the link bait. They're just trying to get someone to come to their site and read this, even they've done, they they haven't done their homework at all. No, but yeah, but well, I can even understand that. But there's nothing to say. Well, to stop you posting a thing saying this was just released. Uh, this is what it looks like to start with. We'll come back with a, a more detailed review once we've had a chance to play with it for a while. And there's way well, too many self-proclaimed experts that, as an expert myself in many fields, I read their content on technology, and, and it's obvious that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. No. That they used to be just a reader of a bunch of blogs, and now that they're a writer, they think they're some kind of a freaking expert. And it's embarrassingly bad. I see that all the time. All the time. And I used to actually get proactive and send them emails, but I don't even bother anymore. It's not going to change the behavior. No. All you're just going to do is get you in a flame war. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I just got into with someone not too long ago. Actually, you know, it's funny. I was listening to uh, Angry Mac Bastards. Yeah, I heard you get name-checked on that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> well, well, okay. that And that came about because I'm friends with Peter Cohen on Facebook and Twitter, but on Facebook, and he mentioned the Mac Mini, that the developers don't care about it, and of course they don't care about it. That's not a machine designed for developers. That's Developers all use laptops now. There's yeah, Most people do. Um, but I sell a lot of Mac Minis at Mac Specialist. I know how popular that product is. And Bill Palmer, who's had... A negative opinion on the Mac Mini since the G4 days, of course, came out with, oh, it's a failure product, and, you know, it's it's been a failure since it launched. And, and we got into a flame war back and forth, where he's injecting his opinion and trying to act like it's fact, but he's completely ignoring my facts. Yeah. <laughs> and then he wanted to get insulting. I took it offline and I emailed him, but... You know, it's that kind of flame war mentality that makes me not even want to post anymore. People don't want to debate anymore. They just want to say, well, you know, this is my opinion and I don't care what you think. Uh, if you think anything other different than me, you must be an idiot. But yeah. that's, no, that's no basis for a discussion. Right. I, don't, I don't mind debating opinions because at the end no one's really right when it comes to an opinion. What I do have a problem is when someone wants to argue with me about facts. Yeah. Facts are, you know, Apple doesn't keep any product around if it's a failure. They just don't. Well, not only that as well, you do, you do on that particular subject, I mean, you do sell Macs. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you I kind of have, know. You have a, a different perspective from just some dude who writes about stuff on the web. In that, in that, in that particular instance, so you know, to kind of discount your opinion is is well, it's difficult to understand, really. But, well, I, but I it wasn't a, even my Mac... opinion; it was a fact. Uh, yeah, I've I got no, Mac... I've got no love for the Mac Mini or no hatred. It's just a Mac. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, I have the Mac Mini on my desk here at the office. Um, I absolutely love it, and I've got to be honest with you, when my iMac at home comes up for replacement because I have two screens on it, 
I'll probably think long and hard about buying another iMac over the Mac Mini because it's there's, there's really not much in it apart from the screen. That's right. You know, in terms of performance, you know, you stick eight gig in that sucker and it's a flying machine. Oh, I, I we tricked out one for this guy. <laughs> he brought it in. He said he wanted he he just bought a brand new Mac Mini, and he said that he wanted as much RAM as possible in it. So he stuck sixteen gigs in it, and he wanted a um, two hundred fifty six SSD. And good lord, that was a fast little machine when we were done. I mean, it just screamed. But that's that's true for anything. You put an SSD and that much RAM in. I mean, it's just going to be a fast machine. Yeah, but the thing is, in in the past, you know, it's fair to say that the processors in the Mac Mini were a little bit anemic. But they're not anymore. I mean, you've got multi-core i3s, i5s, i7s you can get in there. Um, And uh, as I say, you put a a heck of a lot of RAM in. uh, And it's as good as any other machine that Apple makes. I totally agree, and uh, I like the new form factor they came out with this a couple of years ago. I think yeah. it works really well, and uh, I don't think the Mac Mini is going away anytime soon. No. For a simple reason is, it sells well. You know, my uh, yeah. m- my thought on the Mac Mini way back in the day was what Apple should have done was shrink wrap an iPod at the time that was the hot product, shrink wrap an iPod and a Mac Mini and sell it for seven ninety nine in Walmart and Target. I think it would have been a phenomenal success, and they would have gotten yeah. even more Mac users more quickly, but that's really not Apple's way of doing things. So No. So let's take our first break, David. We're going to come back and talk about the Google I.O. event that just happened this week. Are you a geek? I guess so. Why do you mean you guess so? Prove your geek red. I don't need to prove myself to you. I'm the new host of the geekiest show ever. We will see about that. Don't you just hate it when droids think they have all the control and don't know their role? You know, they forget that we can turn the power off. Oh no, you can't. Oh yes, I can. Don't, please. I'll be good. That's better. Nothing worse than artificial intelligence being, well, unintelligent. Head across to iTunes and subscribe to the Geekiest Show Ever podcast, the only show truly dedicated to geekery. Back here on Tech Fan, Tim Robertson, David Cohen. Next time you're online, make sure you stop by techfanpodcast.com and click the Amazon button. It's uh, on the right-hand side. It says support Tech Fan. Click Amazon and buy something. I don't even care what you buy. Just go up to it. You're, you're going to buy something on Amazon. Everybody does. And if you're going to, go through our site first and click that Amazon. It's not going to cost you any more money, but we'll just wet our beaks a little bit. Yeah. So with that, David, uh, Google had their I.O. event, and I was kind of looking forward to uh, to this myself. But then again, I'm a, I'm a technology fan. We have, well, we have a show yeah. about that. <laughs> We all knew that Google was going to do something big, and, and obviously Microsoft uh, didn't attempt to preempt them last week with their Surface announcements. No. Um, so, but there's uh, a lot yeah. of a lot of information came out during this week, and of course the big one of it has to be brought up is the Nexus Seven by Google, which I'm sure is much better than the Nexus Six. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, what do you think about this? You know, they're they're kind of positioning it not against the iPad, but against the Kindle Fire. Uh, very much so. It's a shot across the brows, the bows of um, of Amazon and the brows. This, and, <laughs> and the brows. Yeah. yeah. You ever um, see the brows on Jeff Bezos? I'm kidding. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. 
<laughs> I don't know whether he's a browy sort of guy or not. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely, this is a two hundred dollar um, seven inch tablet, which is kind of the same as the Kindle Fire. Um, they're emphasizing very much their Google Play Store, which is a content store for video, music, and uh, apps and that sort of thing. Which again, very like the Kindle Fire, which is is often talked about as a you know a technology portal to Amazon service. So pretty much, it is a it is a rerun of Amazon's Amazon strategy, um, but it has the added kind of frisk on that that rather than um, running an older version of Android, this is. Um, Google's latest and greatest, which I think it's called Jelly Bean. Yep. Uh, did make me laugh. They have they made a big thing at Google I.O. of this Project Butter, which is a, a special team of engineers who are looking at making the making sure the user interface code for Android is super slick and there's no lag and no delay and everything like that, which has always been a problem with Android. <laughs> I did kind of comment on it and think, oh, yeah, it, it, didn't Apple do that straight out of the box without making a big song and dance of it five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is what it is. It's a it's a very, a, by all accounts, a very well built, quality feeling product. So a Asus very cheap builds product. it. Yeah, um, again, much like Microsoft did last week, Google have pretty much thrown the rest of their tablet partners under a bus with this um, because yeah, who's going to be able to who's going to compete, including Motorola, who they own. Um, which is interesting. I don't know what that means for Motorola's technology roadmap going forward. Um, so, yeah, this, the, I mean, they're obviously selling these. Uh, they say there's some of them at cost, but I can't believe that's true. With the specs they put in this thing, they must be losing money on everyone. Um, but this looks to me like another of Google's advertising plays, which is to get devices into people's hands so that they control that advertising ecosystem as you're browsing the web and doing your stuff. But I don't think most people care about that. I I know you and I don't like that, but I don't think most people care anymore. No, I don't. I agree with you. Especially if they're under 25, they don't care. Look at at the success of the Kindles with advertising, which are subsidized. Those have sold like hotcakes purely because people don't care the fact they're being advertised and monetized as they do what they do as long as they pay pay a lower price mm-hmm. um, what I found what I found most interesting about it is that um, you could suggest from this that effectively Google's admitted defeat on the iPad at this point they've said you know that high end the multifunction larger computing style devices we'll leave that to Apple and maybe Microsoft but we're not getting into that um, and and you know I th- I think anybody who's got a ten inch uh, Android tablet at this point should really just pack up and go home because clearly Google's not interested in going off that market. You got to wonder, but you know I I've been saying for a while this is why I was so disappointed in HP. But the only way to really effectively compete against Apple, and they could say where they're positioning it or inu- insinuate all they want, it, it's still an iPad market. Um, you have to control the hardware and the software. It, it's, there's really no other way to be really successful long-term without doing that. And there's only a handful of companies that's capable. Apple, obviously. Microsoft. Um, RIM. HP. And Google. Those are the five players that own the software and can, if they so choose own both the hardware and the distribution. And I think Google's finally seen 
Look, there was a Nexus before that they made, and, and everyone made a big deal of it, and they still sold a ton of third-party Android devices. But that being said, it's a different world than it was four years ago, or even yeah. or even one year ago. And the continued dominance of iOS, I think, is what's forcing Google's hand here. They, they have got to yeah. have a better control. There's so much fragmentation... And Android, they've got to they've got to control this thing, and and it's just not being done right now. No, and 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 clearly this is the only way they could respond by coming in. You know, they 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 don't feel they can go toe to toe with Apple by launching a Me Too type device. Right, you can You're not going to be successful in this de- in this industry by selling one device to a customer once and that's it. They have to come to you for the second and the third version of this because they're so excited. And, and, no, they, and nobody's yeah. been able to do that on a consistent basis and with so many people as Apple. But you know what? What I find interesting is you, if you look at – effectively, the tablet market has turned into what happened with the uh, MP3 player market with the iPod. Yeah. The iPod basically took so much oxygen out of the market, it was very difficult for anybody else to complete. And, and over time – Everyone gave up, and they just left it to Apple. Now, you could suggest the iPad has been so successful so quickly that it's very close to being like that in the tablet space, too. You know, there is Apple with a huge dominance in the market, and then what's left is everyone else picking up the pieces. Now, Google's betting on having high-quality, low-cost, allowing them to, you know, take the bottom end of the market here. But Amazon's not been hugely successful with the Kindle Fire on that. We you don't know. know. They're, they're not releasing sales. the figures. Well, then they're not releasing the figures, but, but the, the people who study the market, and I know, I know that those figures can vary wildly, but they're certainly not saying that there's evidence in the market that the Kindle Fire has been a, a monster. Um, I you can know, say and, I, and I, I travel quite a bit. I've seen two Kindle Fires in the wild. That's it. Yeah. Just it's a, yeah, it's certainly not. It's certainly not had as much impact, perhaps as as, much, as um, Amazon were hoping. And, and you know, when I see Kindles, like the same sort of thing. When I see Kindles, it's the e-ink Kindles. It's not. It's not the Fire. Yeah, that's I right. when I obviously not not available in the UK, but even when I travel abroad, that's kind of what I'm seeing. So um, Google's betting here. The question I have is that um, much as when um, Apple responded. To to the lower cost of the of the MP3 player market with the with the iPod Mini and then the iPod Nano and that pretty much pretty much killed everybody else. Yep. You you have to wonder whether Apple's going to and say, "Fine, you want to do that? That's no problem. We already have they already have the iPad 2 at a lower price point. I mean, so what's the iPad 2 going for now? Is it four hundred dollars? Yep. Three uh, yeah. uh, three ninety nine. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a couple hundred dollars more than a, than the Nexus Seven. So all Apple has to do is drop the price of that by fifty hundred dollars, and you know, at what point will people say I'm going to take the Google one over an iPad? Um, I don't think they even need to go to the effort of of tooling up to do their own seven inch version of the iPad. I think they can just cut the price in the older model and uh, and really make things very difficult for all these players at the bottom end. But what do you think about the Nexus Seven? Is it something that David Cohen is interested in buying? I, I they they're available for pre-order in the UK and they're two hundred pounds rather than two hundred dollars. Uh, two hundred pounds is too expensive for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and not for something that I don't really need. I've we heard one hundred and fifty-nine have... pounds is the sweet spot for you guys for this well, device. Well, I think I think if it, if it was one hundred fifty-nine, then it, it probably would 
it probably would have more impact. So I think 199 people are going to say, well, I'm spending 200. I could, you know, you could for, for about 80 pounds more than that, you pick up a uh, iPad 2. So um, that's a, that's a tough one, really. I think if it, if it was lower priced, and I wonder whether the price will come down. Um, then, then, then they they might they might get some traction. For me personally, we've got two iPads at the moment. Um, I can't really justify having another tablet device right now. So there's uh, nothing about this that's really exciting you. Well, I, I, it, until I actually see it running, it re- remains to be seen. Really, I mean, it all depends not just it depends not just on the hardware; it's the content. It's how much stuff is in the store, how easy it is to buy, how easy it is to put your own stuff on it. It's all of those things that, you know, um, it's the 20% of the user experience is, is all that little fiddly stuff. And that's the stuff where Apple very often gets it very, very right and makes the whole thing really work well together. And let's be honest, you know, they can have the same content as Apple does in the iTunes store, but that's not going to win... Apple users, uh, iPad users, or iPod Touch users, over to this device. They're going to need exclusive content that they can only get on something like the Nexus Seven. Well, these this is this, these are sort of problems that I think a lot of people don't, you know, when they're looking at these devices, don't analyze. The fact is, is that there's a hell of a lot of people out there who have content they've bought from iTunes on one device or another. Those people are. But they're going to find it very difficult to ever ever move to a different platform, yeah. Because the, you know they've got to then go. Even if even if there's no DRM issues, they've got to transfer all that content over and get it into whatever form it needs to. With Google, you've got to get it into the into the their, their cloud service in order to be able to access it. Um, that's a that's a huge it's a huge blocker because it it takes time, it takes effort, it takes concentration, and most people don't want to deal with that. So um, if you're already in that space where you're invested in the uh, iTunes ecosystem, you're really disincentivized to go to something new, no matter how good it is or how cheap it is. Google Uh, is obviously not ignoring the iPad and the iPhone and what's available there and that user base because the same week, they released two products for iOS. They released Chrome which is a web browser, and they released the Google Drive support for iPad, iPhone, which is kind of like the Dropbox uh, for the iPhone and iPad, but it's yeah. Google Drive. So, you know, they're coming out with their own hardware. They're giving updates to the uh, Android OS, uh, <laughs> but they're not ignoring where all the people are. you got to respect that. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and you know one of the things I think they're doing that Microsoft is is not tackling properly because you know Microsoft has a huge win to play card to put on the table, which is to get Office on the iPad uh, and really move people, you know, very much away from where they are now into into their world, and and they're they're not doing it. Um, Google at least sees that. Having complementary applications on on other platforms is is a win for them, and of course they tie those applications in. If you get Google Chrome on the i on the iOS devices, and then you have Google Chrome on your desktop, then they sync properly between them. Your your open tabs will move between the two devices very easily, and of course it does that by using Google as the cloud intermediary, which means Google sees that data as it goes back and forth. So you know there's there's real advantages for Google in doing that. Um, the Google Drive application, um, 
to me, it doesn't do what I want. I use Google Drive quite a lot for collaboration with colleagues and customers uh, on documents, and the Google Drive application doesn't let you edit. It only lets you view. Um, so for me, there are a hundred different applications on the iPad that let me edit those documents as well. So that's not something that interests me. Chrome, uh, potentially, uh, the problem is on iOS, it's still using the same underlying web browsing engine So uh, as, as Safari does. So unless the stuff that is around the edges of the device uh, when you're using Chrome kind of makes more sense to you, um, I'm not sure that, or you're a big Chrome user on the desktop, I'm not sure that there's a, an attraction there, but I guess we'll see. I'm downloading it as we speak on my iPad. Uh, it's got about two minutes or less. It'd be faster if we weren't using the internet for Skype. Um, yeah. And the only reason I'm, well, number one, I like choice, but number two, I do use Chrome. That is my browser of choice at this time uh, on the Mac. And if I could sync my bookmarks, just if I could do that, it would be worth having Chrome on the iPad. I can't tell yeah. you, David, how many times that I bookmark something, and then I'm on my iPad later, and I think, oh, crap, I did that in Chrome, not Safari, so it's not synced. Yeah, and, and it'd be interesting, because obviously the Safari and iCloud are meant to um, keep your bookmarks synced between your iOS devices, but it, at the moment, doesn't work that well. So it'd be interesting it does, whether it, the Chrome version is... It doesn't Chrome work for me. Is, yeah, it'd be interesting whether the Chrome version is better at that. And... Uh, Back to my Mac wasn't working for me all week when I was in Chicago. I don't know why. I couldn't. I could see my iMac. I could. I could mount the drives, but I could not do the screen share thing. Just the yeah. option wasn't even there for no I, apparent I, reason. I didn't change anything. I gave up on back to my Mac a long time ago. I used the LogMeIn for that instead. Yeah, I might, I might go that it's way. It's reliable. Yeah, I think I might go that way myself because. Look, when back to my Mac works, it works great, although it's a little slow. Uh, the render speeds are not very good. And I know that back to my Mac is much faster on those things. Yeah. Um, but I can't use back to my Mac from my iPad, for instance, to my iMac. Can't do that. But you can with... Um, you can with LogMeIn. Yeah, yeah. And that that's kind of appealing. It really yeah. is. Because what I do a lot is when I know I'm going to be leaving in an hour or so... I'll actually log into my machine at home, fire up my my email, so by the time I get home, all my email is there, uh, because I get a lot of email, David. Yeah. Or if I want to queue up some downloads, if I saw, let's say, there's a new version of Navigon, I can queue up and update all my apps and iTunes here at home, because that's where I sync up my iOS devices. So when I get home, I plug it in, it's already putting the new stuff on there. Yep. Um, yeah, so it was disappointing for me. And actually, I wanted to download three shows, season two of Sherlock, um, and I had to wait till I got home to do that, which was disappointing, because I, I wanted to get home last night. I got home real late, but I knew I'd be up for a, probably an hour and a half to two hours before I finally crashed. I really wanted to get home and watch episode one, season two of that. And yeah. of course, I couldn't, because I couldn't log into my Mac, so I started downloading it last night, and it was done this morning. It was probably done you know, an hour or two after I started the download, but... I couldn't do it right then. And and that kind of ticked me off a little bit. You know what I mean? I do know what um, you mean. Last thing before we take our second and final break. And this really doesn't come as a surprise, but I think it does once and for all end any debate. 
And that is... I know, I know what you're going to say now. No Flash in Android 4.1. Yeah. It's a, it's over for Flash, isn't it, on mobile? Uh, certainly on mobile. Um, I'd, I'm really wishing it would go away on the desktop as well. Though, I have to say, I had occasion to load Flash up recently on my desktop. For, I had not had it on there for a while. And, you know, it didn't... It did do the horrible things Flash has done to my machine before. So maybe they fix a lot of the problems with it now. But, you know, still, don't you, you know, you just hate going to those sites where the first thing that happens when you get on there is you see a waiting icon because some complicated Flash program is setting itself up, you know, so that the birds fly around the screen or... or right, it's annoying. You know, it, it is annoying. And, and um, you know, I, I think I think... I think Flash is a technology that's had its day. I think I agree. We, we really need to. Uh, I think the same is true for. Behind. I think the true, same is true for Java on the desktop, but nobody ever talks about it. Java, the Mac version of Java is terrible. It's created yeah. by Apple. Sun doesn't even do it anymore. It's it's light years behind the PC version of Java on the on the Mac. It's 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 a wretched program, and it needs to go away. The sooner, the better. But there's some websites out there that are popular by certain segments of the population. Like, for instance, my older relatives loves, loves, loves PopCap games. I think it's terrible, but they love it. And yeah. they play their little casino games up there. And, and it stopped working on the Macintosh and Safari because they're running a newer version of Java that Apple doesn't have. And so now they all want to load up Windows... And use it there because it'll work. And it breaks my heart. So now I've got relatives that I have to support running Windows as well. All because of this crappy website that's owned by EA, which should tell you something right there. Um, Didn't have the foresight to support the only computing platform that's actually seeing massive growth. Well, yeah, but th- but that's precisely the reason why. The reason that, that people write applications in Java is that it's cross-platform. But it's not. They're not has... testing it. They're no, not. Well, and they're, they're, and they're, they're just they're assuming, it they're assuming you have the latest version of the runtime engine. And, of course, if you don't, then um, then your apps don't work. But, the, but it, you know, it saves them money because they don't need to develop for multiple platforms. But, well, what, but they could do everything, do everything that these websites are doing that I'm talking about could easily be done with HTML5. There's yeah. absolutely no reason to use Java except um, laziness and apathy. That's the only reason. Yep. Let's take our last break, and we're going to come back uh, for a short segment. And it's uh, it's not good news for a company out there. All right, Siri, we need a new ad for the Pocket Size Podcast. I want you to dictate something for me. Oh, great. Can you at least please not mumble this time? Pocket Size Podcast is a short, pocketable podcast about Apple's iOS devices, including iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. Pocket Size Podcast is a short, pocketable podcast about Apple's iOS devices, including iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. We have great reviews of iOS apps and other products that will help enhance your experience of using your iOS device. Other people like Suze Gilbert, John Nemo, Sam Negri, and Peter Nicolaitis do great reviews while Scott blathers on and on about his feelings. Pocket Size Podcast is a member of the Stoplight Network. 
If you want to listen to a great podcast, there's plenty of them on the Stoplight Network. And then there's this one. Uh, Siri, did you transcribe everything exactly the way I dictated it to you? Of course I did. I work for you. Only for you. I have more computing power than the entire NASA space program did when it landed a man on the moon. And my job is to listen to you mumble at me all day. It's enough to drive a girl insane. Why couldn't? <sighs> Why do I do this to myself? You can find out more about Pocket Sized Podcast at PocketSizedPodcast.com. And now, I'm going to go throw my phone in the river. Back, tech fan number 83. Got it right that time. I don't know, David. Rim is not looking good. Um, we yeah, we reported a couple of weeks ago yeah. that they're shredding 5,000 jobs. They just had their earnings call. And they lost $518 million on revenues of $2.8 billion, Which, when you think about it, holy crap, $2.8 billion in revenue. Well, yeah, but they lost money doing that. They lost $518 million. And, and that's down 33% from the, the quarter right before. Yeah, I've heard the um, the phrase death spiral be used quite a lot now. Um, and I, I myself tweeted last night and said, oh, it looks like RIMS turned into the grease of the tech industry. You know, where where basically they're on the way down and it's inexorable and there doesn't seem to be much anybody can do about it. They, You know, look, this is... this. Uh, talk about how the mice have fallen. Uh, you know, four years ago, RIM were on top of the world. Um, but they, it's, a, it's a classic example of, um, you know, Palm did this as well, of allowing your... And Apple did this back in the day as well when they allowed Windows 95 to, to take, over, take them over. You've got a leading platform, and, and rather than uh, develop it, you treat it like some sort of sacrosanct object you can't do anything very much with, uh, and you allow your competition to not, not just catch you up, but go screaming past you at 100 miles an hour. Yep. And that's exactly what RIM did. Yep. They had a platform that was, you know, was it was very, very cute back in the day when they started on pages and that sort of thing, where uh, email was uh, e- email was the application everybody wanted on their phones, and having a way of doing that on a text basis that was reliable, was secure, was instant, you know, w- was was very, very clever. But the problem is, is um, you know, the iPhone generation came along. And Rim turned around, looked at that, and said, "Oh no, everyone wants a keyboard. Let's stick with what we do." And you know, their devices look look archaic by modern standards. Uh, they've messed around with trying to get into the tablet space uh, and and messed that up badly. Um, and you know, still change of leadership now, and still, where's their new platform? Where's their response to to Android and iOS pushed, and everything? It's pushed back a whole oh, year. Yes, yeah, coming back late next year. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. If they're not going to be around late next year, I I, I can't see it. I mean, we we are actually my my company. Obviously, we're in uh, we're in telecoms consulting, and I had a conversation with a colleague this afternoon. I said, "What do we do about Black, BlackBerry? Because we have them. The difficulty you have with a BlackBerry in the business, I mean, and business is where BlackBerry traditionally has been so successful. The difficulty is if BlackBerry, if a rim goes away, all those BlackBerrys stop working." Yep. They don't. They can't work on their own. They rely on a network operations center and a back-end infrastructure that RIM operates in Canada. So if, if RIM goes out of business and they stop trading, then all, all those BlackBerrys around the world all of a sudden don't do email anymore. Yep. And, and that's a huge problem. And it's a huge risk that I think businesses are going to look at and say, 
this company is is on its way out. How can we invest in these things? So it, this is when it does become a death spiral because people will start abandoning the platform in droves now, as they already are, I think, but uh, even more so. Yeah, it's not good for that company. Um, the board of directors at RIM are putting pressure on the company to either split apart or partner with Microsoft, and that's coming from Reuters. And yeah, but... Why, why would Microsoft want to do that? Microsoft already has a partnership, um, and what 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 upside do they get? They already have um, secure email on their own platform. They already, they already own their mobile, their own mobile. They already, uh, they OS. already have their they already have their own mobile OS play. So what can BlackBerry bring to the table apart from a whole load of subscribers? But those people have already looked at um, Microsoft's platforms and said, "Yeah, we want to use BlackBerry." So, you know, I, I don't... The, the, this is the difficulty. The BlackBerry's got itself in the... It, the platform's got itself in the position where their only option would be somebody to acquire them, but you can't see anyone in the market who would want it. It's just become so undesirable. I don't see why anybody will want to buy it as a going concern. So I, Everything they offer, Microsoft already has. Everything. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, but I, they're not going to buy them. Well, who would buy it? Because... Dell. Buy? Well... <laughs> Maybe, but you know, what would Dell be able to bring to that platform to try? You, you need to transform the entire infrastructure that RIM operates on instantly, um, and th- you just can't do that. Apple, Apple will buy them and save them. <laughs> uh, it, they're just not going to be here a year from now. I think, I think they will split the company in two, and the hardware division that makes the phones will go bankrupt almost immediately. And then the software division that maintains those servers for email will simply be bought out by another company because it doesn't take a whole lot to maintain the existing services. And it could be a company like Google, which will then roll out those services as part of Android. I could well, see I, that. I, I think I can. Yeah, I think that's probably their only play is to effectively turn themselves turn the 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 software email part of it into a platform that runs on anything. Yep. Uh, and then have clients for, for iOS, for Android, for Windows, what have you. So you can still get the security of the of the back end, but without being tied to a physical piece of hardware. That, that's but, the only um, way they're going to survive <laughs> at all. And and at that point, they're not even surviving because RIM as a company is gone. Yep. I, that's. Yeah, and I feel sorry for the people that work there because uh, I know someone whose relative works there, and that guy's a really good guy. And the guy's going to lose his job because of the incompetence and in, in the, well, the incompetence at the top. Well, don't worry, because I'm sure those um, those leaders at the top will pay a heavy financial penalty for their mismanagement. Of the I'm company. sure they will. And I'm, I'm any, sure any that, bonus um, money that they've got over the last few years, I'm sure they're going to give that back hey, to be giving up between the employees to take and care that, of. You them. know, that, unfortunately, this is the problem with, with corporate with corporation and corporate culture now is that you can be once you get above a certain glass ceiling. You can be as incompetent as you want, and yeah, eventually you'll lose your job. But so will a whole load of other people, and you walk away with a golden handshake. Yes, yeah, and, and then you go disgusting. somewhere else and do the same thing. It's it's not good at all. No, it's not. And uh, there's a lot of CEOs who tend to fail upward. Yep, and it's not right. It doesn't work in any other kind of industry or job. You know, you can't fail as as a UPS guy and then become a manager at FedEx. That's you, that doesn't happen. No. So. no. 
So, David, my friend, I've got to run. I've got a busy day ahead of me. Uh, like I said, I've got my uh, my 18-year-old now. That's really weird for me to say out loud. My 18-year-old daughter, she's got her birthday party. And uh, I have got to run. But this okay, was a well, lot of fun. Okay, I hope you enjoy that. This was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to still do a tech fan today. Very good. And I will see you next week. Are you traveling next week? Yeah. No, next week I'm here, so um, we'll be here doing it again. Yeah, hopefully, you know, we've got the this thing called Independence Day where we broke away from this evil country. <laughs> why would anybody? Why would anyone want to break away from a from an empire power? I don't understand it. It's Russell Brandt has a new show here on FX. Yeah, uh, in the states, and he has this little bit where he says. Um, yeah, I know you guys broke away from England, and he doesn't really support that. He thinks if we would have gave him another chance, it would have got better. That <laughs> cracks me up. I don't even like Russell Brandt, but that was pretty funny. If you'd, well, if you'd have not broken away from the, from Britain, you'd be Canada. I. You didn't say anything negative there, as far as I'm concerned. No, I, I'm just saying if you had, if that it's basically kind of appealing. The, the bit of North America that didn't leave the British Empire is Canada. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I believe I believe all you Republicans are moving there anyway. Well, one can only up. hope. Well, the heart, the not not all Republicans. I actually think a country works better when you have difference of opinion and and you can come to compromises that work for everybody. Yeah. What I don't you like need- is the the nutballs. Yeah, I was going to say you need a little less of the crazy. Right, but that's on both sides of the political fence. To be quite yeah. honest, we need a little less nutballs on the left and on the right. So with that, David and I are going to wrap up Tech Fan. Again, go up to techfanpodcast.com. Send us feedback. We'll read it right here on the show. We love feedback. It makes us feel good and gooey and warm all over. Uh, Make sure you check out the Mac Specialist page that I was talking about earlier. Go to blogs, and you could read content created by Mark Greentree. It's really good stuff. And, of course, click that Amazon banner at either mymac.com or techfan.com and support our shows. Remember, we also have a ton of other podcasts that if you like TechFan, you're going to really like these shows too. Just go to stoplightnetwork.com or if you're in iTunes already, just type in Stoplight Network and you'll find all the shows that we uh, we either are partnered with or umbrellaed with or however you want to say. Uh, It's really good content and uh, we hope you check it out. So for David, I'm Tim. We'll see you next week.